Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Fellowship Church. Guys, welcome to worship service this morning. If you'll stand with us. You know, I've just been really, this whole week, it's been like stirring inside of me and I felt so expectant of what God has for you this morning. And one of the lyrics that really stuck out to me uh, multiple times today is like, he is not going to run out of miracles anytime soon. And I just wanted to know if there was anybody in the room just could be really honest this morning. Um, you've been praying for a miracle. You've been praying for your situation to change. Um, and it's even a little bit uncomfortable. or You're scared to pray it. But I want to encourage you this morning that we are going to ask boldly. It says to come boldly before the throne of our God because of his righteousness, righteousness, not our own. But I want to pray for that boldness. And I want to pray and I want to ask God for some big questions and for him to release that faith and release that healing and release that miracle on our behalf. So can we just all come into agreement this morning? Let's lift our hands and talk to him. Jesus, God, we are here for you. God, we know that you can. We know that you're able. And God, we pray that you would breathe life into our situations right now. In the name of Jesus, we come to you boldly. And we know, Jesus, that you are interceding for us, that you're interceding on our behalf, and that if you speak a word, that it will be done. And so we come into agreement with what you say. Please breathe into our situations. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, we are going to praise, we're going to worship, we are going to press into those promises this morning. Come on.
rehearsal on Tuesday, and we were going through this song, Too Good to Not Believe, we asked the question to, to the team, is there a time in your life that you've seen a miracle? So we went around, and people started to share. Doctors told my wife and I that we would never have kids. We have two. They went on to say, he healed me when I needed somebody through a divorce. He was there for me. The other person healed my gut when, you know, nobody knew what was wrong. My gut was healed. How many of you know God is in the miracle working business? Amen. If you're believing for a miracle, believe it, receive it. God is going to do it. Amen. So when we sing this, I want you to declare it. I want you to prophesy over that. Amen. Come on, let's just sing.
good to see all of you here today and we have come here asking God to do miracles on behalf of our family members on our relationships when it comes to our finances we have not come here to say we've been to church there's no attendance chart that you can put a star on anywhere we're here to do business with our Heavenly Father we want him to reach into our lives into the lives of our loved ones and families and bring healings and bring miracles and bring relationships back where they've been broken so that is our prayer for you, that God will bless you, that every time you come, you sense his presence, that you experience a God moment. There's no entertainment that's going on here. We are here to lead you into the presence of our Heavenly Father. That's where you'll receive healing. That's where you will receive help. That's where if you've been stuck in any area of your life, you will get unstuck and pushed forward. So we are here to do business with our Heavenly Father. I'm gonna pray over you in just a minute. One quick announcement for reasons that are more private and personal, as well as that my granddaughter will be going to a college in Arizona. My son and his family are in the process of moving to the Phoenix area. So I wanna ask you if you would to pray for them. You've already, many of you already knew this, but, and just ask God to bless them as they jump into this new adventure of their life. They are very excited. They've, they're Grand Junction kids. They've only lived here. My son has only worked for me and with me since he was 15 years of age. So they're pumped about this new adventure. And me and Anna are getting excited for them as well for this new adventure. So be in prayer with them. We'll tell you more about that 
uh, as the days go by. But let me, let me ask God to bless you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you could use a miracle touch from God in some area of your life, would you raise your hand? Father, we are here to do business with you. We jump up on the workbench and let you work on us to fix the areas of our life where we need fixed, to bring healing, to bring help to us. We love you so much, Father. You are wonderful. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us a home forever in heaven. But we still got a lot of life to do before we get there. So I pray your greatest blessings upon everyone in this room, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, emotionally, and relationally. Make these people's dreams come true. And I ask this over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Say hi to somebody and then you can be seated. For those of you tuning in online with us, thank you so much for um, just being here with, with us this weekend. If you would let us know where you're watching from, it's so cool to see Fellowship Church's reach go so much beyond this valley here in Grand Junction, but also across the state, across the country, and the world. So let us know where you're tuning in from um, online. Whether you are here with us in person or online, um, we would love to just welcome you. And if you are new here, or if you're ready to take that next step in what your relationship with Jesus looks like here at Fellowship Church, just go ahead and get your cell phones out and text the word fellowship to 94,000. As soon as you do that, you uh, get in contact with us as a staff throughout the week, but you also, um, if you're new, get an option to fill out the new to fellowship form, which um, lets us be able to uh, talk to you about all the different ministries and different opportunities here, as well as the invitation to our guest reception coming up next month, as well as just seeing um, all the different things that are going on. Now, we're going to continue the worship of our awesome God through the giving of tithes and offerings today. There's a lot of different ways that you can give here at Fellowship Church. We, of course, have the offering boxes in the lobby if you're here in person, um, whether you're in person or online. The Church Center app is the easiest way, and I, for me, I need easy in my life in a lot of different places, and that's one of them, is a Church Center app to be able to just um, give, have everything connected in one place, and you can see your groups and different things there as well. Uh, we also have the text to give option or drop by during the week. We'd love to see you, pray with you, and everything like that. I was reading uh, just a couple of days ago in John 8, and I, it was just um, a really cool verse popped up uh, and really into my, in my spirit. And Jesus talks about, he's talking to uh, Jewish believers that believe in him, and he says, if you embrace my teaching, you're embracing truth. You're embracing truth, and anybody who embraces me embraces truth. And I just love that thought of just like, um, that he is truth. Jesus is truth. And the Greek truth says it's reality. They define it as reality. Um, and I think that if we can lean on what, what he's doing in our life, that the truth is he takes care of us. He will take care of you. He wants to take care of you. And being able to give to him is a way that we can trust him with that um, and is a firm promise in reality and what truth looks like, which is just Jesus himself. And so for anybody who's in need of a financial breakthrough right now in their life, um, I would love to be able to pray for you this morning and pray over the offering as it comes in as well. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for who you are. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, thank you for what you will do in our lives in the future. Jesus, I pray, God, that you can uh, receive all the offerings that are coming in this week and you can bless them, God. But anybody who's, whether listening, either even later this week, God, or right here, right now, if they're in need of a financial breakthrough, Jesus, I pray that you just pour out your blessings on them. Thank you so much, Jesus, for who you are and, and what you're doing in our life, God. And I pray, God, that we can feel above everything else just your presence and your closeness, that we can embrace you, Jesus, as truth. Lord, we love you and we thank you in your heavenly name. Amen.
Well, as we're in the new year now, there's a lot of new things coming up here at Fellowship Church. So here are a few of them. January 30th, we are starting our Rooted Curriculum. Y'all, this is an amazing curriculum. If you want to grow in your faith in Christ and grow with other believers, this is the spot for you. It's only $25. You can sign up at the west end of the lobby, and it comes with your book, all, all the things that you need. You also get coffee and snacks, so I don't know what more you would need. It's from 9 o'clock to 10.30 on Sundays. This is a great place to meet other people and to grow in your faith. Don't miss it. Also, on January 30th, we are doing communion. This is going to be such a special service. This is something that is so important to our faith. This is a place and a time for us to remember what Christ did for us. A time for us to tuck into Him and thank Him for His death on the cross for us. You guys, make plans to be here on January 30th. Coming up is one of my favorite Sundays. This is Baptism Sunday. It happens in between services, and this is for anyone, whether you've known Christ your whole life or you're brand new to faith in Christ. Come get baptized. This is such an important step in your faith. You get to show the whole world that you're going to follow Jesus for your whole life. This is such a special time. Invite your friends, invite your family, and sign up on the Church Center app. We are so excited for next week's service. Here's Pastor Tim to hear more about it. Hey guys, we hope that you've enjoyed our series, Help My Personality is Showing. Now we're going to continue that over the next couple of weeks. Next week, I'm going to be bringing a message and we're going to be talking about how we process pain. Here's the thing, we've all been hurt, all of us, whether you're a guy, whether you're a girl, no matter what your personality is, you've gone through something in your life traumatic. How do we handle that? Every personality is a little bit different. And understanding how we handle and process pain is super important in understanding each other. So next week, we're going to be talking about that. And then the following week, we're going to talk about how to get over that pain. How do we heal from it? And giving us some practical steps to do just that. So I hope you're tuning in, whether you're watching online or you're going to be here with us live. Make sure you don't miss the next two weeks as we continue our series. You don't want to miss next Sunday, guys. Pastor Tim is going to be bringing an incredible message. Don't miss it. Y'all, I believe that God has something super special for you. Please enjoy today's message. Tuck into Christ and know that he has something specifically for you. So for the last two weekends, we've been talking about how important a personality is. Matter of fact, I shared with you that you can't have a good life with a bad personality. It doesn't make any difference whether you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not, and I hope you have. I hope there's been a time in your life where you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, so that you might have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, that you can have a home forever in heaven. And that's wonderful. And if you've done that, you can still have a bad life if you have a bad personality. Bad personality does not equal a good life. And we've been talking about what those personality quirks are and the fact that we all need help when it comes to our personality and what God has done to be able to uh, tweak those issues that we have in our life. Because everybody in here has got personality issues you need to work on. Every one of us. 
And that doesn't even count the whole male-female gender thing because if you are female, what comes with your personality is a great deal of complication. What? This is not what we agreed to backstage. Well, all I'm saying is that men are more simple. When That's it comes- really true. If for you guys, it's angry, happy, and feed me. That's pretty much your well, emotional. You go. I'm good with angry, happy, and feed me. I'm good with that as well. But, but there are things that, do you not agree that women can be more complicated or hard to understand no, or confusing? guys are so simple that they're complicated. Guys are so simple that they're complicated? So yes. you don't think women are complicated? No. You think men are yes. complicated? Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to show you an illustration, the best visual illustration I can to help you understand my point that I am making here this morning. But I need your help with this visual. So everybody in this section right here that are female, everyone in this section that are female, if you have a purse, would you get your purse real quick? Come on, I need your help. Everybody needs to see what I'm talking about and raise your purse up above your head as high as you can, please. Let us take a look at this. Let us take a look at the luggage that you all brought in this morning. Jen, can I borrow your purse? Can you mind? I'll tell you what. I've been married to my wife. She's my high school sweetheart for 44 years, going on 45. I have only looked in her purse twice. Once was for gum, once was for chapstick. I promise you I will not look in your purse. I will not open your purse. I will not embarrass you in any way. Could I borrow it for a minute? I just want to visually. Okay, thank you. That was very reluctant, but thank you so much. Well, you've already right insulted here. us, so we don't know what you're going to do next. Yeah, well, I just, like I said, for Anna, you know, uh, all these years, I, like I said, I, I never go into her purse. One time I asked her, I said, honey, you got chapstick? She goes, it's in my purse, left side. I, I don't know no left side of a purse. Is that the left side? Is that the left side? Is that the left side? I don't know a left side of a purse. But if I ask her for chapstick, it's in my purse. If I say, honey, do you have an extra $20 bill? She goes, bring me my purse. (laughs) I can go in it for chapstick, but I can't go in it for money. Very simple. This purse has a lot of compartments. There's compartments on the outside. There's compartments on the inside. There's dividers on the inside. There's all kinds of things that are stuck everywhere inside of this purse purse. You say, pastor, what's in there? I don't know. Nobody knows, (laughs) but it's filled with stuff. Now this, this right here represents a woman. This represents a man. (laughs) Driver's license, credit card, gift card from Christmas to uh, Cabela's and a little bit of cash allowance that I think came out of my wife's purse. <laughs> I don't know, she's my ATM, I, I, don't, I don't carry a bank card, that's, that's her world. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Is this your only purse? No, no, it's not her only purse. She's got big purses, little purses, she got purses that match shoes, purses that match outfits. She's got spring purses, summer purses, fall purses, winter purses. She's got purses to go over top of her shoulder, purses to clutch underneath her arm. She's got lots of purses. How many wallets does a man have? One. One. 
and we will hang on to that one wallet until it completely disintegrates in our pocket or until some good woman in our life goes out and buys us a new wallet. And you women, name your purses. Louis. Michael K. I don't know his last name. Coach. Guess. Gucci. Brighton. You know what I call that? Black. Black. This represents a woman. This represents a man. We are simple. We are easy to understand. And ladies, if you have any trouble trying to understand a man, I can promise you it is because you are way overthinking him. Thank you for trusting me with that. Okay, whether you are team purse or team wallet, the truth is that God wants to make it very simple for you to be filled with the fruit of his Holy Spirit. God knows that there's parts of our personality that we're not proud of. There's parts of our personality that are just hanging out all ugly and weird. And he knows that we're struggling. He knows that we're works in progress. And that's why Jesus sent to us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us and leads us to truth and shapes us and kind of takes the rough edges off of our personality and makes us someone that we can be proud of. The Bible lists the fruit or the evidence or proof of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And most of us don't really need those words to be defined. We know what those words mean, but there's a difference between knowing what they mean and living them out. In fact, if we went back to kids' church right now and, and pulled a whole group of second through fifth graders and said, can you name the fruits of the Spirit? Most of them have been taught to do that. They could rattle those, all nine of those things off just like that. But there's a difference between knowing them and then living them out and having them just cultivated in our lives. So I want to jump into how do we get these in our lives by beginning with three characteristics of fruit. Now I'm a pastor. I'm not a botanist or a scientist or a farmer. So my thoughts on fruit are not incredibly agriculturally profound, but they do have spiritual implications. So the first truth is that fruit is something that grows on a tree. See, I knew you wouldn't be awed by it, but what I'm trying to say is fruit grows on a tree or maybe a plant or a bush or something like that, but it's not manufactured. It's not something that can be faked. Fruit grows on a tree, a branch that's connected to the tree. And as a Christian, the fruit in our life is produced when we are connected to God. When we stay in the flow of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, that's the proof, that's the evidence that God is active, shaving those rough spots off of our personality. Jesus is speaking about this very topic in John 15, and he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for 
anything you want and it will be granted. You produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. So Jesus is being very clear here. He's saying we have got to stay connected with him if we are going to have fruit. And we cannot allow ourselves to become disconnected. Have you ever seen a teenager that's become disconnected from their cell phone? Like you could be at the Grand Canyon, right? And it's the most beautiful sight that you've ever seen in your life. And there's the teenager with their cell phone disconnected. They're not looking at the Grand Canyon. They are looking at the bar. They want to know how many bars do I have? And if I can get the right selfie to prove I was here enjoying the Grand Canyon, oh, I don't have service. And they will freak out. They'll climb a tree, hang out over the edge of the Grand Canyon just to get the picture, just to get the bar, just to get connected so that they can send that text out to all their friends or upload it on social media. They're desperate to stay connected. And we should be desperate to stay connected to the Holy Spirit too. The Holy Spirit is our lifeline. And if we become disconnected like a teenager with a cell phone, we should fight anything in our lives that's keeping us disconnected. And we have got to re-engage and reconnect with the Holy Spirit. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, we can produce no fruit. And so that's why every one of us has got to stay more connected than just what we can on a Sunday morning service. This is awesome. Being here on a Sunday morning, life-changing. But it has to be just the beginning of our relationship with God. It can't just be our only connection with him. We have to stay connected throughout the week. And that's why Pastor Hooper is always talking about this idea of coffee with God. Like waking up in the morning and starting off by physically and emotionally connecting with God. We bust open our Bible or the Bible app. We spend some time reading the scripture. We talk to him, we pray. We put on um, some worship music and we connect emotionally with what God is doing, our heart to God's heart. That has to happen every day. It's not good enough for a branch on a tree to be like, oh, I was connected to the tree last week. Where's the pear? That doesn't happen. A pear doesn't grow on the branch. If the branch at any point in the week is lopped off from the tree, it's done. But we ourselves have got to stay in the flow and stay connected with God every single time. So fruit is something that grows on a tree. And secondly, fruit is something that's given away. Fruit is something that's given away. The tree doesn't eat its own fruit. The fruit is plucked off and shared. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit's evidence in our life should be something that's being shared by everyone around us. In fact, everyone we come in contact with, their life should be better because the Holy Spirit is producing fruit in our lives. Because we treat them better. We're kinder, we're gentler. We, we show them more faithfulness and more goodness. We exercise more self-control when we're interacting with them. If we have the fruit of the Spirit, everyone around us should be benefiting from that. So maybe your toddler is freaking out and you lend them your peace by sitting there with them. And suddenly some calm comes into their universe. Or maybe your coworker is just frustrated. They haven't had the opportunity to connect with God yet. And so they're short, they're snippy with the customer. And you're able to step in with patience that you have that's supernatural from your connection with the Holy Spirit. You're stepping in and demonstrating that patience that is needed. Or maybe you're seeing a senior and they're struggling with their shopping cart and returning it on the icy parking lot. And, and all of a sudden, the goodness that you have from being connected to the Holy Spirit, it kind of wells up in you. And you say, you know what? I'm going to jump out of my warm car. I'm going to go help that lady. Everyone around us should be benefiting from the fruit that God is putting in our lives. So fruit is something that grows on a tree. Fruit is something that we give away. And thirdly, fruit has seeds for reproduction. 
Our third grade son came home the other day like a smarty pants. And he, he announced at the dinner table that anything that grows on a tree and has a seed is a fruit. And then he started listing certain fruits like avocado, cucumber, peppers, and olives. And I was like, no, those are savory. Those are not fruits. Fruits are strawberries. Fruits are sweet and delicious. A pepper is not a fruit. It's spicy and doesn't belong in a fruit salad, right? So we, we were at this impasse, my third grader and I, and so we decided to break the tie by Googling it, because that's what you do when you need to prove that you're right as a parent. So we Google it, turns out he's right. So <laughs> the botanists say that anything that grows on a plant and has a seed is somehow a fruit. Now, I don't like that, and I'm not sure the person who wrote that article has ever eaten food, uh, because there's a very big difference between a strawberry and a pepper, but whatever. When in our Christian life, we have fruit, our fruit has seeds as well. It should be reproducing, it should be contagious, it should be spreading to the people around us, replicating in their lives. The joy of the Holy Spirit in me should affect you. It should splash over and affect you. And your peace in a crisis should calm me down and affect me. And the self-control we exercise in conflict should cause the other people to be more self-controlled as well. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is replicating and reproducing in the lives of everyone around us. I want to take a look at the main text in Galatians 5, but this time I want to read it from the message paraphrase. It says this, what happens when we live God's way? He brings fruit into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Now that sounds like something I want in my life, but how do we we get that? How do we produce this type of fruit in our lives? The first way is through our connection to the Holy Spirit. When we stay connected to the Holy Spirit, fruit is possible. When we become disconnected, fruit is impossible. And I've already talked about this a little bit, so I'm gonna go quickly, but I cannot emphasize enough. If you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, you have to make a deliberate choice to keep the connection with the Lord every single day by spending time with him. Worship music, prayer, Bible reading, staying connected to the vine is the only way to produce fruit. Number two, So there's connection with the Holy Spirit and then there's cooperation with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to direct you throughout the day, giving you opportunities to demonstrate his fruit to the people around you, but also to cooperate with what he's doing in their lives. And I remember when I was first a teenager and I was trying to figure out how, how do I really cooperate with what God is doing in my life and what, how do I cooperate with what God is doing in the lives of the people around me? Because I recognize that it, Being a person of faith was most thrilling when I felt like I was right in the middle of what God was up to. And so I stepped out with this challenge and I said, okay, God, every morning I'm going to pray during my quiet time, during my connection with you. And I'm going to ask you to give me the name of one or two people that I'm going to encounter this day that you want me to like cooperate with what you're doing in their lives. And so he During my prayer time, I would ask and I would receive a name or two for that day. And then I would try to go and show them love. 
or show them kindness or treat them gently using the fruits of the Holy Spirit to kind of just wrap them up in some way. Pray for them, encourage them, something. And so each day that kind of became my MO as I was learning to cooperate. And one particular day, I heard the Lord say, I was in my junior year of high school, and he said, I want you to reach out to Senora St. Louis. And she was my Spanish teacher from Detroit. And um, she would... I went to her. I had no idea if she was a Christian, a believer at all. I didn't know her spiritual background, but I went to her and I I just said in the hallway, I was like, Senora St. Louis, can I talk to you? And I just said, I just want you to know that you matter. You matter to me. You matter uh, to God. And he loves you very much. And I just want you to know I am praying for you today. And right there in the middle of the hallway of our high school, she burst into tears. I'm not a big hugger, but I felt obligated, you know? So I'm like hugging her and like patting her on the back, like, they're there, it'll be okay. Because I learned in that moment that her husband had just served her with divorce papers and life is about to get very complicated for her and her kids and the custody battle and everything that was unfolding. But I got to be a part of the flow of what cooperating with what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in her life that day. He wanted to spread kindness, to spread love, to give her a sense of peace in the middle of what was going on. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life, cooperating with what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in her life. And guys, there's no more thrilling way to lead your life than getting to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of other people. So cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And then the third way that we develop this fruit in our life is cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to imagine that you're sitting on the couch um, watching Netflix and you've got a bowl of pretzels and a big bowl of chocolate ice cream because sweet and salty, you know, and you're sitting there and someone rings the doorbell, but you don't want to get up. So you check your ring app and you realize that whoever's at the door looks very important. So you get up, you head to the door, and it turns out that the United States Olympic Selection Committee is at your front door. So you let them in, and they're talking, and they're all dressed, you know, really cool and fancy, and you're like, this is interesting. And they tell you that based on your presidential fitness score in elementary school, that you have been selected to run the marathon representing the United States in the upcoming Olympics. You think back to that glory moment when you ran across the line ahead of your classmates and you say, okay, all right. Because you start to imagine yourself in Olympic Village. You realize all the expenses are gonna be paid for this trip. You're gonna be rubbing shoulders with elite athletes from around the world. But you're also surprised because the furthest you've ever run is like from the couch to the fridge for a snack. And so you're not sure how you could do it. And then you begin to imagine like, actually, I'll give this a shot. I'll I'll try to run this marathon. Then you think, wait, even if I try really, really, really hard to run a marathon, I could not do it right now because I haven't entered into any kind of training to run a marathon. Now I know there's a few of you in the room that actually could do it. I I cannot do it, okay? So you have to enter into a life of training if you're gonna be successful at running a marathon and just trying really, really hard is not gonna get you across that finish line. And this concept of training or cultivating the things in our life are It's essential for growth in any area. Whether it's starting a new business, you're going to have to train, you're going to have to cultivate. If you're going to uh, start to learn a new language, you're going to have to train and you're going to have to cultivate that skill. If you're going to learn a new instrument, you're going to have to practice, you're going to have to cultivate that new skill. It requires anything about growth requires the idea of practicing. And there's a big difference between training to do something and trying to do something. 
There's a huge difference. Now, sometimes I'll come to church and I'll listen to a sermon or I'll preach a sermon for that matter on the idea of let's be more like Jesus. Let's be patient and kind and gentle and self-controlled. And so I'll listen to that on a Sunday and I'll get inspired. And then I'll go home on a Monday. I'm like, yes, I'm going to try really, really, really hard to be more patient. Have you ever tried to be patient with a child that cannot find their shoe? It's exhausting, right? It doesn't go any better than than getting up off the couch and trying really, really hard to run a marathon. Because unless you've trained for patience, patience is just as exhausting as mile 24. I mean, patience is something you have to develop and practice and train for. And God wants us to do that in our lives. So the Apostle Paul is encouraging his young intern, if you will, Timothy, to train himself in godliness, the scriptures say. Paul lived in Corinth, the city of Corinth, for a time. And the city of Corinth was known for the Ishmean Games. And the Ishmean Games were second in prominence only to the Olympic Games. And the idea behind this particular game is they would go through a variety of athletic feats, but they were required to train strictly for a minimum of 10 months. And if they did not train for 10 months, they were immediately disqualified if anyone could accuse them of not completing their training. And so the apostle Paul likely lived in the city of Corinth in 51 AD when the games were in the city of Corinth. And Bible scholars think he probably sewed some of the tents that were used for the athletes during this competition. And so when Paul is writing later to the Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, the people in the city of Corinth, he's using this athletic imagery to impart this truth. And I want to just read it. First Corinthians 9, it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So here we see there's the idea of training, practicing, cultivating to develop our spiritual life. It's not something that we just try really, really hard to be more patient and hope that we can gut out some goodness or some kindness or some faithfulness. We have to train for this stuff. Paul continues a little bit later in the chapter. He says, training it, meaning my body in this case, to do what it should, not what it wants. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, that I myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. Every worthwhile pursuit requires training, practice, cultivating. Some people look at like a, like a heart surgeon and they say, wow, that, you know, that's, that, that'd be really hard to go to college for four years and then go to med school for four more and then do a four-year residency and then do a three-year fellowship. Like that is, the, that is a hard thing to do. And while that is very difficult, do you know what would be harder? Standing in an operating room with a loved one on the table and a scalpel and being told you have to perform open heart surgery. That would be much worse. It's much better to be the doctor that's practiced and trained and cultivated by college and med school and residency and fellowship, it's much easier to learn that way than it is to experiment on one's loved ones. Would you agree? In that case, when we are asked as God's followers how to demonstrate patience, if we haven't trained to be more patient or trained to be more kind or trained to be self-control, more self-controlled, the truth is we take out all our yuck on our loved ones. It's the same thing as trying to do open heart surgery with no clue what's going on. Because the people closest to us in our life are the ones that get the junk from our lives instead of the fruit of our lives, right? And so we have to develop that fruit so that when we're looking eyeball to eyeball with a loved one, 
we can actually show kindness. We can actually show self-control. We can actually show gentleness instead of harshness. And so the easy way to become a surgeon is to train. And the easy way to become filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the fruits of the Holy Spirit is to train for that righteousness, to, to develop. So how do you train? How do you actually train to become a more patient person? How do you cultivate that? Ready? Set your cruise control to 72 on the interstate and get in the right lane. And commit not to pass anyone. And to patiently do that with a good heart and attitude. Doesn't that sound horrible? That sounds like the worst. You guys are like, I wish you said eat a lot of vegetables. It's it's the worst idea ever. But I would rather practice patience there than lose my patience on my child and damage them internally. What's the easier way to learn to become patient? Or, or get in the grocery store and get your cart and then scan the line and choose the, deliberately choose the longest line and get behind the lady with the coupons. Not even the digital coupons, the hand-cut coupons, right? And then let someone go in front of you right at the last second just to bless them. Okay, Ugh, there's something in me that hates this very suggestion, right? But I would rather practice and cultivate that patience at the grocery store with a stranger than take it out on my spouse. So how do we develop the fruits of the spirit? We do something to practice that skill when it's a non-critical moment. Just like a doctor practices the skill of the open heart surgery and a non-critical moment called med school. So what about, that one's not very fun. It's not a fun idea to cultivate patience, but what about joy? Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. How do, we, how do we cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit called joy? We laugh for no reason at all. Like it would literally be a spiritual exercise to put on dry bar comedy and laugh. That would be practicing the gift or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Or we throw a party for like no reason at all. Just invite your friends over, everybody come over, everybody play games, laugh, serve food, and just celebrate life. That's practicing the fruit of joy. And that's something that would be pleasing to God. And so we look for ways to cultivate these gifts by practicing just like we practice any other skill in our life. There was a season not too long ago where I could name all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but if I was really honest, I wasn't producing much fruit. I could recite all nine of them just like that, the memory verse and everything straight out of kids' church, but in my own life, I felt like, cut out and cut off from God. I was going through all the right motions, reading my Bible, singing worship songs and everything, but my heart wasn't in it. And so I felt really disconnected. And I feel honestly in that moment, like I was the spiritual equivalent to sitting on my couch, eating Twinkies, being told to run the marathon. There was no way that I could just get up and try harder to be a good believer, to be a good Christian or to have that fruit of the spirit in my life. And you know what I did? I just told God I was sorry. I told God, I'm sorry that I went through the motions for this time and that I wasn't emotionally connecting with you, that I wasn't really cooperating with what you were doing. I'm sorry that I allowed myself to be disconnected and I didn't really care as much as I should. And after I told him I'm sorry, I just fixed it. I just started connecting differently. I just started engaging more. And pretty soon, I felt like I was right back in the flow of what God wanted to do. And I don't know if you felt like me where you feel like you've been in that funk. If so, it's not overly complicated to come back. It's just a matter of coming back. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.